how you think. There was a man who fell in love, a beautiful girl, took her home to meet the parents, and thought, this is it. And the mother said, I don't like her. <laughs> so that was it. Gave her up. A year or so later, found this other girl, thought, oh, this is it. Took her home, meet the parents. Mother said, I don't like her. Oh, dear, this went on four times. Four times he brought the girl home and the mother says, I don't like her. So he prayed for wisdom and said, how can I do it? And then suddenly I had the thought, if I get somebody who's just like my mother, <laughs> she's bound to like her. So he said, and he found this woman, identical in features, just a younger version. Even the voice intonation was great. Same, same thing, everything, even the mannerisms. And, and so he thought, this is it, life's got to work out. He took her home, and his dad didn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how, isn't it? That's how life tends to work out, isn't it? Something always comes up. If I can get this, yeah, yeah, okay. I want to read to you a passage from Scripture. It's up there. It's from Ephesians 1, 16 to 20. And what I want to do today is, is look at life and how are you going to navigate and how are you going to negotiate life? Because life's not going to work out how you think. And most of us, as I'm going to show you, is pro are probably in a repetitive cycle of Things happening and failure happening. We want to see how we deal with this as Christians. Paul writes these words to the Christians. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, and this is important, I want you to tuck this away in your minds for, for the next few, few minutes, a spirit of wisdom and, rev and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, and this is the purpose, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We all know this game, don't we? Right? Children's game, but it's actually something that's been around for thousands of years. And it was really essentially a tool to teach people about life. And if you think about a lot of the games we play, we've made them into children's games, lots of them have subtle messages, and even more subtle, something like Monopoly. You know Monopoly? If you ever want to fall out with your family, buy them Monopoly, because that brings out something in us. We talk about the capitalist spirits in all of us that wants to build the houses. But you'll know about this, that really in snakes and ladders, if you hit the bottom of the ladder, you go up, yeah? And in life, lots of us hit ladders. And life's incredibly positive. We're full of hope going there. But 
there's also these things called snakes. And as I was thinking about that, 99, do you know that one of the greatest people in the Old Testament landed on a snake near the very end of his life? And that was Moses. Because in Numbers 20, God said to Moses, who was to bring water out of rock, and God said to him, speak to the rock. But Moses battered the rock twice with his staff. And God said, you're not going to get into the promised land. He landed on a snake. Now, why was that important? Because if you read the beginning of Moses' life when he was a prince in Egypt, he was an angry man. And he killed somebody. And that anger, although lots of his life developed, and the Bible talks about being a very humble person, that anger was still rooted in him. And what happened was, here at the very end of his life, he's still angry. And he lands on a snake. And everything that he dreamed of, he never got. He took the people to the edge of the promised land. He got to go up a mountain to see it, but he wasn't allowed in. He landed on a snake because he disobeyed God. Because if you get to that level of revelation and walking with God, you're not allowed mistakes. Simple as that. And it's amazing how many people do as Christians really go on with Jesus, really go on with the Holy Spirit. And God uses them mightily, but... If parts of their life are not healed, it's easy for them to land in a snake and they're down bottom. How many folk have played snakes and ladders and landed on that snake? Yes, we've all done it, isn't it? But the thing about it, and, and this is important, when we play this game, it really is about life. And here's a big problem for lots of people. See, lots of people maybe get to 13 and they go up, but they're going to throw a three and they land on a snake. And you find this with lots of us in all our lives. There seems to be patterns where we're really going for it and then suddenly, we're back to square one. Is it only me? No. Is it only me? No, we're all there, aren't we? That, that we, it just seems to happen. I, I don't know how many people who have known in, in well, it was almost 40 years, 13, 39 years in ministry uh, in a church, I don't know how many people had really potential to go on. And I always used to say, it's as though they aborted everything. There's something about in all of us. We go and we're ready to take a step into something great and deep, especially in the things of the Spirit. And before long, I used to remember, I always used to say to David, he was a guy who was the other leader with me, I said, sometimes when you pray for people, you can always guarantee what's going to happen next because it became a pattern. So if there was a, a person who you're praying, a woman who'd, playing, who'd had an abusive life, etc., etc., and you started praying, and they started on going on great, you would almost guarantee into their lives would walk 
a person who was wonderful but ultimately abusive. <laughs> and it happened time and time again. And I would challenge you to think of your own life. How many times do you go up here and get along to say, or, or, or you're going this way, sorry, get up to here, and then you're way back down again. And this is a pattern that seems to happen in lots of us, especially in our walk with God. Now, that's not to down you. That's just to tell you, this is all pretty normal. Because if life's a game like snakes and ladders, it means throughout your whole life, you're going to step on snakes. I don't know how many folk who have known or have read about who were brought up in a, an alcoholic environment and who said, it'll never happen to me. <laughs> and you end up having the same problems, having the same snakes, the same experiences. And, and, and it just seems to be part of life. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because... I, I, I quote this all the time. This is my favorite quote from To a Mouse, Robbie Burns. You know that poem where Burns speaks about he's plowing the field and he disturbs a mouse and then he has this whole kind of poem about what happens to the mouse. And I think I've said to you before, that's where you get the words, the best laid plans of mice and men gang up a glee. But at the end of the poem, Burns says this about life. And this captures a wee bit of what I'm saying. Still thou art blessed compared with me, the present only toucheth thee. But oh, I backward cast my e, and prospects dear, and forward though I canna see, I guess, and fear. In other words, as I look at my life, it's been a game of snakes and ladders, and I've just been going round. And as I look forward to the future, there's nothing but fear because the pattern of my life has been going forward, falling apart, getting up again, going forward, falling apart. Common thing, right? And, and that's something to remember, that this is part of life. The question is, and this is it, for most people, we put all this down to luck or chance when we throw the dice, right? But here's the, the thing, in Greek culture, Taiki was the goddess of chance. And people just saw it as luck. It just happened to be, if, if things happened in your life, that was it. And the Romans, they, they, as you know, they had the whole kind of same goddesses, but gave them different names. She was called Fortuna. And we get the word fortune. I've had some good fortune. I, I was lucky. <laughs> now here's the thing as a Christian, and, it, and it's something to really think about this. What would happen if we had control of the dice? <laughs> right? Or we could control what came up. What would happen if that was the case? Now, you know, if you were playing it with your kids, you'd win all the time, right? I'm talking about in life. Imagine if you're three away from a snake, you could make sure 
that you threw a four and you missed the snake. And what we're going to do in the next week, well, is, you see, that's what God wants for us. God wants us to be able to have control of the dice so that we don't land on the snakes. So take, for instance, like if you were at, let me get one here, if you're at 51, what if you could guarantee you could do four? And you maybe miss this thing that all your life you're throwing a three. <laughs> right? And you put it down just to luck. And you put it just down to chance. You put it down to misfortune. But what if that's not what God wants for you? What if God wants you when you're there to throw the dice so that you really miss the snake and go on? That would be great, wouldn't it? Hopefully I'm going to show you that's God's plan and purpose. Jeremiah, do you want to read this with me? Right? Because I, you know, I like interaction and I don't want you all to go to sleep with me. Do you want to read it with me? Big loud voices, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The people of Israel or, or Judah were taken to Babylon. And Jeremiah, God used Jeremiah to give them these words. Now, here are four things, right? God has plans for us as a church and as individuals. One of the things in uh, an incarnation of mine many, many years ago was I was involved in a chairperson of the Board of Ministry in the Baptist Union. And you would get involved with church splits and everything. And one of the things that was quite interesting was the patterns that emerged in churches. That churches went along, they were being blessed, and then they reached a point and they went on a snake. <laughs> and it all went right back down again. And we used to see this. I remember speaking to one guy who had been in this church for about 40 years, telling me about four splits and it never, never dawned on them to ask the question, Lord, why are we always reaching this point and everything falling apart? We landed on a snake. But notice this, God has a plan for us. And there's a plan for you as an individual. And it's not about snakes. And God wants an intimacy from which he can give or should have put in which he can give. In other words, you see, God says, I have plans for you, declares the Lord. You will seek me with all your heart and you will find me. And out of that is going to come something. And the key is, God wants us to experience ladders, not snakes. Now, you've got to get that rooted deep into your consciousness, right? That God is for you. He's not against you, right? I, I, like everybody else, have been brought up with the idea of God's like a, 
you know, an old grumpy man up in heaven, and if I go the wrong way, he's got, he'll hit me over the head with a staff or something, right? I, I've been brought up in all that environment. It is a fight to get to the biblical view of God. It's a fight. It's a struggle to get to that point where you actually believe God is actually for you. He wants to bring fortune to you. Not for you to rely on fortuna, but he says there, I will restore your fortune. God is for you, not against you. God's experience for you is to have ladders in your life, not to be landing on your snakes. Now, I think one of the most liberating thoughts that a human being can get, I have it myself at times, it fades, other times it comes out very strong, and, and it's this kind of thought, it doesn't have to be this way. I think that's one of the most liberating thoughts you can get in your life. If that gets deep into your spirit, that from God's perspective, it doesn't have to be this way, your whole life can change dramatically. It does not have to. You know, if nothing else, you leave this place today and you go away with a, this one thought, I do not have to step on a snake. <laughs> I do not have to step on these things. I do not have to do this pattern that's been part of my life for years and years, five years, 10, 20, 30, 40. You meet folk who've been 50, 60 years, the same pattern. I do not have to step on the snake because that's what habit does. When you're into the habit of it always going in this pattern, you start to believe that's simply it. But it's not. And the key thing this is, God is working in the good and bad of our lives. Maybe you've gone down a snake again. You get depressed. You get fed up. But you see in Romans 8.28, and we know, this is what Paul wrote, and we know that for those who love God and all, play, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God put the people of Israel into Babylon in order they essentially went on a big snake in order that they would learn, come back from it and become the nation he wanted them to be. God allows us to go down the snakes in order that you might be different, that you might change, that you might ask yourself the question, why is it always like this? That's a question. And to know deep in your spirit, it does not have to be like this. Doesn't matter how old we are, you know, teenagers right through to, to 80s, 90s, it, it doesn't have to be like this. It's different. Okay, so here's the big question How did we get into all this? So very well me stand up here saying, well, you know, how, how do I do it? How do I start this week off? And how do I, what, what do I do? Give me something to do. Well, in the book of Philippians, Paul writes, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but also more in my absence, work out, right, your own salvation 
That's the part you've got to play. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works, notice it, in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, here's a twofold part. You do the working out of what God has put inside you as a Christian. And that's the key as we go through this to understand this, right? So here's a wee question. How do we allow God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure to happen? How can you allow everything that's in here that God has given you to come out? As I was thinking about all this, I think, you know, one of the great gifts Norman has, when he, Norman's an evangelist, but it's funny, even though when I first started as a Christian, I once put tracks through a whole neighborhood in, in Edinburgh called Longstone. I put a gospel track in every house, you know, and, and I was really there. But over the years, God really took me. I, I probably am not evangelistic in the sense that Norman is, but I have this great desire for Christians to really understand what they are, what God's done in their life, what's happened the moment they asked Jesus into their life, what God has created within them, and what God wants to do with them. I have great, great belief that we've, you know, everybody in here, myself included, we haven't really got a scooby of what God could do for us and through us. That has, you know, Paul talks about more than we can imagine. And, and that's all there. Everybody here, that's your potential. And, and, and so how do we make this work? Well, I think in a sense the answer is this, and I'll get it coming, it should come on. We allow his spirit to create powerful forces in our life. That's what you've got to do. And so what do I mean by that? Well, there are two categories the Bible talks about powerful forces in a life of a human being. Now, if you read the book of Galatians, Paul talks about something called the works of the flesh. In other words, what goes on inside a human being? What is it that drives us? And he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, right? Deep down inside, we're all witches. <laughs> because witchcraft is about control. And all of us like to control, don't we? Yes? Come on, don't have me stand up here, so I, I, I don't want to be the only one who falls on my knees and repents here. Come on. Yeah, we all want to control, don't we? Yeah, it's all there in us. This is, Paul's saying, this is all inside you. This is what's driving the human being. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things, and this is important, will not inherit the kingdom of God. They cannot experience it because the driving forces. Now, what happens? They're called the works of the flesh. And if you can see that, it's, it's like a wee jigsaw that just doesn't fit into place. Now, would you agree with me that they're powerful forces? Yeah? Right? You would agree? Have you ever met anybody who's jealous? 
powerful force, isn't it? Hard to, right? Have you met anybody with any of them, right? Fits of anger, have you ever, oh, fits of anger, yeah. I always used to see my big brother, you know, his dad, John, but he was only happy when he was angry. Yeah, you met folk like that? Unless something's, ha- unless something's happened to them and, you know, they're, they're ready, <laughs> the blood vessels are ready to go. Yeah, is that a powerful force? Right? These are all within us, these things. And that's what drives us. And that's what controls the dice for everybody. That's why you land on the snake all the time. Because there's so much stuff going on. And as these things go on and there's permutations, you do get to the point where it's hopeless. And you just think, I'm stuck in a spiral that I can't get out. I'm up a ladder, go along for a while, life's hunky-dory, on a snake, back again, and there, and you think you're progressing in life, and you suddenly reach 70, 80 years old, and you find it's the same thing that was happening when you were 20 years old. It's just maybe more sophisticated now, but it's the same thing. Now, what happens here is Paul tells us that, that God wants to put powerful emotions in our life. Now, one of the great problems for those who've maybe been in the faith a long time, whenever you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, people take it to be passive, right? You have in the book of Corinthians talks about the gifts of the Spirit where God wants to bring healing and miracles and everything, and the fruit of the Spirit is seen as being passive. But I like to think of these as new creation forces that are within the life of a Christian. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes inside you and begins to work powerful forces in your life. And that's important. So love's a powerful force, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Have you ever thought of gentleness as a force? We think of it as passive, don't we? But that's a powerful force that God wants to put in your life. Against these things, there's no such law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The fruit of the Holy Spirit creates the unity in the personality. So that means that some of these forces are keys to you growing as a Christian and making sure that you don't land on a snake and you keep going up the ladder. So, the power of patience. Have you ever thought of patience as a force? Yeah, it's a powerful force. If a person has patience, they can probably do anything in their life. If I was to ask you, what causes more problems in your life than anything else, and it will be impulsiveness. Immediate reaction to things. Opening your mouth and then, <laughs> oh dear, why did I say that? Right? And then spending years trying to undo the damage. Yeah? Patience is a powerful force. And the power of self-control, these are two things, I think, that are incredibly important that God wants to build in our lives to cope 
with the equivalent of the snakes and ladders in our life. You know, you can go about, oh, I just love everybody and still go on a snake. Oh, I've got this wonderful peace. But still be quite impulsive when things happen. But if you develop the characteristic powers of patience, self-control, and, and all of us struggle with lack of control. Um, I discipline myself when I'm behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> right? Because something happens in all of us. Yes, you drive a car and somebody cuts in front of him and you say, oh, just bless him, Lord. <laughs> uh, just bless him. And may, may the tree they hit, may it not be just too badly damaged. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? But the power of self-control is incredible. I, I like listening to a financial person in America, um, and he often says, if you've got common sense now, it's like having a superpower. <laughs> it's true. If you've got common sense, you're like Superman or Supergirl or Wonder Woman. Because common sense just doesn't seem to be available in any great quantities in our society at the moment. And the key thing is patience, self-control, allows common sense or godly sense at times to come forth. Anyway, here's another equation. The power of patience plus the power of self-control plus, remember I asked you to put away in your mind, Paul writes, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Now, if you begin to develop these things in your life, then you begin to control the dice. You begin to control the dice. And you see where the snake is. And you say to yourself, I'm not throwing a three. I'm throwing a four. Because I'm going to miss the snake. And these things there, you know, the power of patience, power of self-control, power of wisdom, the power of revelation, these are four things that I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to build in the life. To you to grow in these things. Not so that you'll just wander about in peace and everything, because he's already given you peace, right? So that you might navigate and negotiate life so that in the end, you don't blow it. In the end, you don't land on the snakes, but in the end, it's about going up. And ladders, you with me on that? These four things, these are four things you can ask God for. Patience, don't jump at things. Self-control, your emotions are there. They're not going to direct you. The, the power of wisdom, you're going to stand by, look at this. And the, 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 the fourth thing, revelation, you're going to ask God to show you, why do I want to jump on the snake? Why do I want to do this? And these four things all working together in permutational form, what can happen is that you as a Christian can begin, like the wee man here, 
It doesn't mean you won't fail, but as you grow in these things, life becomes more of a ladder than snakes. And that's a great place to be in, isn't it? You know? And that's why people stop and say to you, why? why? Why does this always happen to you and I'm this way? And it's because you've put into practice patience, self-control, wisdom, revelation. We have a race to run and God wants us all to complete it. Right? If we go down the snake, it'll work with us through the power of revelation to show us why it happened and take us again to the ladder and then we'll go beyond that. It's this growing change from one degree of glory into another. That's how Paul describes the Christian life. And, and that's a big challenge for us. And I finish with this verse, 1 Timothy. What happens here is Paul, coming to the end of his life, says, I have fought the good fight. Yeah. It's been a battle, but I've done it. I didn't land in too many snakes. <laughs> I've fought the good fight. I finished the race. Right? I've run the race. And okay, maybe I wasn't the fastest person on the planet, but I've done it. I've done it. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on the day. Right? And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearance. God wants to give you the crown of righteousness on that day. And he wants to give you it simply because you fought the good fight, you've kept the faith, and when it all tallies up, Lord, thank you, there's been more ladders then there's been snakes. And I want to thank you for that. But again, take from this teaching, if anything you take, take this. You don't have to be this way. You don't have to step on snakes. And God has your welfare and your prosperity in mind. And he wants the very best for you. Is that not exciting? Yeah, come on, go on. Everybody smile. Yeah, go on. If nothing else, you'll encourage me. Go on. Right. Is that not great knowing that all these things are there for you? Let's just pray. Father, this day, we simply say, enough is enough in our life. And Father, we know there's always a temptation for the dice to land us on a snake. But today we say no. Today, by the help of your Holy Spirit in us and his working, by your grace, we say today, everything changes. Today, we ask simply, there will be a growth in patience, the power of self-control, the power of wisdom, and the power of revelation, Lord. And let our lives from this moment on be one that is consistently ladders rather than the snakes. And I thank you that you want to give to me the crown of righteousness. So we bless you 
and we bless one another in this race, in this good fight, in the name of Jesus.